0: You're we are live. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Babble Bearer podcast. I am your host, Mikey Paisley. In today's episode, we are discussing some of the top TV shows we have been watching here in lockdown, as well as what the potential future of cinema is going to be following COVID-19. We discuss the entanglement conversation between Will and Jada Smith, as well as the very annoying advertisements placed on Facebook videos. Thank you guys for uh, joining me here today, and let's get started. Last night, my uh, girlfriend and I, we finished season one of the show called The Boys, which um, if you were not aware, The Boys is an Amazon Prime exclusive TV show that is um, essentially about superheroes that are corporatized. So it's kind of like it's almost like the 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 main superhero group. They're called The Seven. They're like a parody of the Justice League in a way like have very similar abilities. Like there's one character called, um, Homelander. He's essentially like Superman. Um, there's another character Maeve who's basically like Wonder Woman. Um, there's a guy who goes visible, a guy who's basically like their Aquaman. There's a guy who's basically their Batman named Noir. um, really good show. But essentially what's the main push, the main focus of it is that it is this corporatized justice league to where they essentially don't have any accountability. Kind of so they can kill civilians like, like you know, for whatever reason an accident happens, like uh, not to spoil too much, um, but they are very uh, non-responsible for their own actions. And since they're corporatized, like this huge corporation is basically like Google can't get them out of trouble. You can't, you can't sue them. Um, is essentially what the main focus of the show is. And there's these group of guys who get together who have all been afflicted or hurt in some way by these superheroes that ju- then joined their own vigilante group, um, th- which is the group called the boys. And basically the show is these boys killing off these corporatized superheroes. And it's an absolutely amazing show. Um, I know in quarantine, I, everyone's trying to catch up on shows right now. Everyone's trying to watch shows, but I cannot recommend this show enough. I believe it has a, 84% on Rotten Tomatoes right now. Something like that. Um, has some really uh, big actors in it too. There's uh, Anthony Starr, who Anthony Starr, he played as the lead in the show uh, Banshee, which um, if you haven't seen Banshee, that's also a great show about a, a ex-con who becomes the sheriff of a small town. Absolutely amazing show. Uh, Carl Urban um, plays one of the leads as well uh some other big names at least yeah simon Pegg. simon Pegg is in the show um he's much more of a minor character which i wasn't expecting but really good and there's there's been plenty of cameo appearances by really uh by a bunch of other really big stars like uh hayley joel osmond who um obviously played in the sixth sense and ai uh seth rogan made a short appearance in the show too it's, it's really a show really well done um, that all being said, it's also not for the faint of heart. It goes into some very dark territory. Uh, it is very graphic. There is nudity. So um, if you are affected by those things, if those things get on your skin, probably not the show for you. But if you really enjoy creative storytelling, um, relationships between characters, and honestly, I, out of TV shows I've watched, by far has some of the best special effects budget I've ever seen a TV show. Like there's Seriously, there's episodes that look like it's a movie, like how they play out, especially anything that they use with like Homelander, who, like I said, he's basically like a Superman. Looks like you could have cut it out of Man of Steel, like the the CGI is absolutely amazing in this show. Um, Which leads me into the topic I want to talk about today, which was in quarantine. Everyone's trying to catch up on TV shows and watch these TV shows. Uh, my girlfriend and I, we have now watched... I want to say it's seven different TV shows, which might sound like rookie numbers to some of you Netflix veterans out there. Um, But it's been absolutely amazing to catch up on these shows. I didn't really get time to watch a lot of them before, and it's cool to see them. And so then the question is kind of boggled my mind. Okay, out of all the shows I've caught up on, which one has been my favorite so far? And man, that's a tough question to ask because I want to say, I think the first show we watched when quarantine started, was Doomsday Preppers. Um, by my choice, I forced her to watch it. Uh, but we ended up really enjoying it. If you're unaware, Doomsday Preppers, it's a reality TV show about people who've been prepping for Doomsday and what their preps look like. And when this whole COVID-19 thing started, of course, the thing on everyone's mind was, all right, when are the zombies going to show up? So I want to make sure we all, we were all ready for that. Uh, and in the show, it's people who like show their preps and whatnot, what they got, and then these experts... Who you never gonna meet the show never shows you who the doomsday experts are say how long these preppers are gonna last for Uh, it's a really fun show it was really creative Um, and then after that obviously we had to watch tiger king because everyone's gonna watch target king if you have not watched tiger king you absolutely need to um it's a uh documentary series uh about people who own big cats i'm not gonna go into it because i it's been blown up on social media everywhere um, I hope that if you haven't been coaxed into it by social media, maybe just hearing me talk about it, it's amazing. You need to watch that show. Make that your top priority, the first show that you need to get down because I feel like it's almost going to become a staple in history books one day about this pandemic and what people did occupy their time. Tiger King is going to be the show that's pointed to as the show that everyone watched during everything going crazy. Um, and then I don't know what Netflix's deal is, but I feel like they keep trying to post these like – anti-government shows because they first had tiger king which a quote from tiger king was um if they would ever go into joe exotics zoo uh it would be bigger than waco and then i want to say maybe a month after they released tiger king they released a show called waco which is a real life show about the um the things that happened on waco absolutely amazing show too um it's real life story it is uh i did a little bit of research on it. Apparently it is one of the most accurate tales of actually what happened. They used sources as the actual FBI negotiator who had to talk to the people who were inside the compounds. Um, It took stories from one of the, the, I believe the only, no, not the only, one of the main survivors of the show, like as in like the day that the compound burnt up, he was able to get out. Um, They talked with him, got his side of the story of what happened. And some of the other people who um, throughout the, I want to say it was like 52 days 52 days um, that they were in there, and they were slowly coaxing people out, um, some of those people who were able to escape as well. Uh, really great show, uh, way different than I thought it was, and it's very, very eye-opening to how, in, at that time, certain systems in the Justice Department seemed a little askew, um, to say the least, for sure. Uh, and just like everyone else, another show that we have gotten pulled into our shows I should say are like real life crime shows I absolutely love them uh big one that we finished was the cold case files which is people who finish old cases that uh, have cases that have gone cold which means that they you know couldn't find the um, murderer or killers in question and then they go quiet for many years then thanks to modern technology we're able to solve those cases again. It's a really great show, especially if you like crime shows and you haven't watched it yet, you need to go for it. Um, piggybacking right off of that, we end up watching Mindhunter, which is a TV series that is based on real life, but in the show it's actual characters. And it's essentially how the FBI um, started behavioral science. So before behavioral science, we had no conclusive way of knowing traits of serial killers. We just, okay, people just go crazy and they just kill a lot of people. But They found in this behavioral science department that no, they all have, they have lots of similar traits. They do similar things. They have similar, um, similar, um, uh, what's the term for it? Um, Attractions, I guess you could say they have similar attractions as each other. And they just have certain like behaviorals from when they're a child, certain upbringings that kind of match. And then they can basically break down by how the victims look or how they, by the crimes that they commit. Okay psychologically what would this person be like and then they could say go into even like okay this is probably what they're like you know gender um race sexual orientation all sorts of things um really good show i strongly recommend that one as well and then finishing up we watched this uh, another reality tv show it's a survival show called alone uh, if you haven't seen that show again just like all the other ones great show Highly recommend it, um, especially if you love like Man vs. Wild or uh, Man, Woman, Wild or Naked and Afraid. Any of those shows alone is another great one where it's 10 people set out in the wilderness all by themselves. They're all separate, separated from each other. No camera crew, uh, no help, anything like that. Just by themselves with like, I believe, five or eight cameras. And it's just who can survive on the woods the longest. Absolutely amazing show. And then finally, the last one we just watched, we finished last night was The Boys. So after watching all these shows, I had a question like, OK, what's been my favorite so far? Like if I had a, like if I could only recommend one show to people, what show would it be? What like really pulled me in personally the most? Uh, man, it's tough. It is really tough. So I think what I'll do here is like a third, second and first. Um, Third, I put... Probably say Mindhunter, the one about the FBI and the Behavioral Science Department, because it was very fascinating. It was very intriguing to see all the things that happened and how that came to be. I believe they're working on season three now. They're going to be releasing that soon. Um, And second place would probably be Waco. Uh, Actually, no, scratch that. I'm going to say The Boys. The Boys I put in second place. Uh, like I said, very creative storytelling. It is very dark. So if you're wanting a show that's going to put you in a light, happy mood, it's definitely not the one for you. Uh, but it is like like if you are a huge fan of storytelling and complex characters, uh, there is no black and white in this show. Everything is in gray and they execute it wonderfully. Uh, but my topic would definitely be Waco out of all of them. Uh, I love history. I love things that have happened and waco looking back at like you know what i learned about it in school a little bit here and there or clips news feeds i've seen about it here and there um i was very very young when it happened so i don't even remotely remember it like actually being in the news just like after the fact seeing clips looking back i always just thought it was just a crazy cult and all of a sudden they like had this, this firefight with authorities somehow, and then the compound lit on fire and a lot of people passed away. And the story is just so much more complex than that. It was so much more in detail. There's lots of, there's lots of gray in it, you know, um, things like if, uh, if like as the FBI and the ATF, if they even should have like gone to their compound, if anything was out of sorts, there were things that were illegal that they're doing there, but not for the reasons that they ended like the FBI, and the atf actually like went in for and then how the negotiation versus trying to tactically take down the compounds and the arguments between the fbi themselves of hey negotiation is the key that's what's going to resolve this peacefully versus no we just need to go in there gas them and get them all out and you know obviously we know how everything turned out but it's it's an absolutely amazing storytelling very compelling Lots of question marks. And I was more blown away by the first episode. I was asking myself like, this can't be true. This can't be how this thing happened. And yeah, looking up, yeah, it is. Like that's from the uh, head uh, negotiator from the FBI to the people who are inside the compound. This story takes all their points of view and puts it in front of you. And it, it's it's just crazy. It's not what I expected it would be um, whatsoever. Yeah, man, it's been, uh, it's been great watching all these shows and catching up on entertainment and media and stuff like that. Uh, I've always been a huge film junkie. I mean, it kind of goes into play as to what my current career is. Um, you know, working as a manager for dining cinema, uh, it's been great because obviously I get to watch a lot of movies. I've gotten to watch, watch a lot of movies uh, on the big screen and it's been amazing. And so, Something I keep kind of contemplating about is, all right, where do movies go now? You know, with with COVID-19, with all of this, just be honest, there really is not a horizon for all right. After this, people can be all together. You know, there's it's just it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen for still a long time. You know, it's not going to happen a month. It's not going to happen in two months. So what happens to all these movies, because um, so from a movie theater perspective, we're waiting on basically three things, right? We're waiting on one thing is this, the, um, the federal, okay. When can movie theaters open? When could, you know, groups of people be back together. And then it goes into state. What does your state say about it? What does your state say you should do? And the third and arguably the most important part of it, of it, when does Hollywood say you can go back? You know, there's no movie that's going to be released right now. There's like, there's no movie set. Like, Okay. This is for sure when we're going to come out. I mean, there are movies that had like, okay, we're going to release it this time, but they're probably going to get pushed back. I mean, uh, I believe for the longest time, the next movie that was supposed to come out was uh, the movie Tenant, uh, directed by Christopher Nolan, was supposed to come out here in um, later July. And that one got pushed back. And that's what basically all these theaters were kind of banking on as the one that was going to stay true. And it didn't. And uh I don't know, and I'm not saying if it's a it's a good or a bad thing. I mean for safety, for like people's safety, like the public health. I looking at the numbers, don't think it'd be a good idea for people to go back into confined spaces like movie theaters and whatnot. But then you also, there's a flip side of the coin of like, all right, but there's people who economically are going to be very hurt. And you know, you could say one thing, like a lot of that is, you know, Hollywood could be hurt, which, you know, those big production companies, like they probably have enough funds to keep themselves afloat. It's not going to be that big of an issue, but if you bring it to the smaller scale, if you just bring up, you know, okay, who were the people whose careers depended on, okay, I make visual effects for this movie. You know, I make 40 grand a year doing visual effects. Well, now I'm out of work and hopefully whatever, you know, production company they're working for is paying them unemployment or they could get unemployment through it. But that's not a guarantee. That's not a guarantee for everyone, you know. And say if if your job sets were something in cinema, you know, you're a video editor. Um, you're an audio editor, graphic designer, you worked in marketing, whatever it could be. Those particular sets, skill sets, you know, hopefully you could work from like a computer home and maybe still have your job, but maybe if you had to be on set to do those things and now you can't be on set. And so your job has no use, there's no essential job that you're going to find that's going to work there. Or at least if there are, there can be very few of them. So yeah, there's the whole other flip side of that coin. I'm not going to get too much more in detail about it, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, and also, if you talk like there's so many like mom and pop movie theaters, so many like small town movie theaters that are probably going to go under because of all this as well. And, you know, like, outside of movie theaters, talking about restaurants, bars, all, all sorts of stuff, which this is nothing new. This is the same, you know, conversation, debate everyone's having, you know, having. It's basically, OK, economic wealth versus public health. And basically deciding, OK, what cards to we play? You know, I think, honestly, the best outcome would be, yes, we all should stay home still. We all should stay in quarantine still. If you could still have money to live and to survive and to flourish. But if you don't have that, then, you know, maybe risking your health is your answer. I can totally understand that. You know, if you are a parent and you have kids and you want to support and be there for your kids, but you don't have an outlet to do that with. Maybe you do say, Hey. I, I want to just work. I don't care if I get sick. I need to make some money, though, for my family. So I can totally understand that. Um, I don't even know how I got into that topic. So in a more lighthearted news, something I wanted to talk about as well that weirdly grabbed my attention. And I, if you're listening to this, I guarantee you've probably seen stuff about it on social media, maybe even read the articles. But everyone's talking about how uh, there was a romantic affair between Will and Jada Smith, Will Smith and his wife, Jada Smith. And um, if you don't know, this is essentially the story. And by no means am I an expert. I have not read every single source I could read on this. I've read a few of them. And then I watched the interview that happened between the two themselves and skimmed it a little bit. But based on that, uh, if you've seen anything on social media, it seems like a lot of people are, they constantly keep saying, Oh, Jada cheated on Will, Jada cheated on Will, Jada cheated on Will. What a lot of people don't bring up though, which is kind of astounding to me, is that, and you can check this, you can watch it yourself. There is a live, they did this in a live interview, which um, I've, that's a whole other thought process I'm not going to go into at the moment. But uh, Will and Jada had gone on a break in their marriage. They basically wanted, they were separating and they were on a verge of a, uh, a divorce. And they decided at one point, I need to go do what's going to make me happy. You need to go do what's going to make you, you happy, right? And then in that time, Jada started a relationship with another person. So I guess I guess it depends who you're talking to. To me, that doesn't necessarily sound like cheating. That sounds like you knew that you had that, quote unquote, okay. That you guys were taking a break from each other. You were going to explore other things. And luckily, they were able to you know come back to each other. That is, that is fine. So when it comes to the, this, the blanket statement, she cheated on Will, I don't know how much I buy that. Now, there is a whole other stipulation that I kind of want to discuss, which was, okay, but what? who did she cheat on Will with? And this is to me is where the majority of the controversy comes in. And I'm almost shocked that people don't talk about this more. So what happens is that Jada had... Um, Jada and Will had one of their son's friends come move in. Um, Let me see. I forgot the guy's name. Um, um, His name was August. So uh, one of their son's friends named August, they moved into the house because Jada was convincing Will that, you know, he was a troubled, he was a troubled teen. He wanted help, needed help. He was very sick. And so they had him move into their house with him. And then once Jada and Will had this uh, separation, Jada, in her own words, said her and August had an entanglement, which means that they started a relationship. But what they did not discuss about is I don't quote me. on. I want to say whenever the separation happened, August was. Twenty two, you could say he currently is currently twenty seven. So I don't know how many years back this entanglement had happened, but he was very young. He was about half the age of Jada. So something I thought was intriguing was if you could imagine, say you switched it, say it was Will who had an entanglement. And instead of it being their son, it was their daughter, one of their daughter's friends that they brought in because the daughter's friend was in a uh, unhealthy mental state. And then after they had a separation, Will and this girl that was half his age, that was 22, had a relationship. I feel like that it would have been talked about a lot more. And feel free to argue with me. Feel free if you if you think it would have just got under the rug because I can totally understand an argument there as well. But in a way, doesn't that just seem manipulative? Doesn't that just seem a little gross that someone who is that much older than someone else who almost starts out as like a parental figure that, hey, you can live with us. I'm going to protect you and be there with you. And instead it turns into a relationship. And I mean, to be fair, 22, they are an adult. Um, they do get to make their own conscious choices. Maybe that is the best for them. Sure. We let's go with that. But I just thought it was an interesting thought process of um how that was going to turn out. And to be honest with you, I don't know why I even care. I don't know why I found this as entertaining to read about and study about. Um another thought process I was having on it though was that you know, I really don't like how media and news dig so deep into um, celebrities relationships, like it's, they're, they're still people like that. That's private information. We shouldn't really talk about that or grow into that. This one is different to me though, because it wasn't a private conversation between Will and Jada instead Jada had invited herself onto her show called the, I believe it's the, the round table or the, the red table and had Will on there, obviously with her as well where they start this conversation. So they picked to have this be this huge public thing. And maybe that was the quiet people's opinions on it. But if you like, you can watch the interview, to me, it doesn't seem like that was practiced or rehearsed. It seemed like it was a very raw, actual conversation between this couple. And I don't know, I just find something a little weird and gross about that. Like, why would you want everyone to know your private business that, that detail? You know, If you truly love someone else, okay. then that's your guys' thing. That is your relationship. You shouldn't have to, Share that with the world or do it. But it goes on and on and on. Just my uh, just my quick quirks on it. Uh, that also being said though, I found something very, that grinds my gears horribly. Um, when I first originally saw this Will and Jada thing, I was watching it on, I believe Facebook. I just got into this wormhole of watching Facebook after Facebook after Facebook video. And has anyone ever noticed like when you watch these Facebook videos or even videos on like Twitter or Instagram or YouTube and it gets to the part of the video where like the video is about to get good, like something's about to happen and you're like, oh, I really want to see that. And that's when an ad starts. How infuriating is that? I get so upset when that happens. But what makes me even more upset is that. You can't like you can't design a program to know when we think a video is going to be fun to watch. There's too many videos. There's too much content out there, you know? Like and the the stakes are different. So that makes me realize when those ads pop up like that, that's not a computer doing it. That. That's like that's someone's job. Someone's job is to watch these videos, figure out the part that is going to be the most interesting part, the climax of that video to watch and place an ad there. And aren't they just the most horrible people that ever exist to say yes to that job? You are a terrible terrible person. I mean I would love the opportunity that if I would say if I was like the manufacturer of this idea that I was going to, you know, have people watch these videos, place an ad at the perfect moment right when everyone, you know, wants to see the climax of the video. I think like to have that job you should sign a contract that says okay yes you know you and you're going to get paid a lot of money you can get paid like millions of dollars to do that job sure i'm fine with that as long as that means people in your life can interrupt you with advertisements randomly say you know your wife's about to have a baby it's going to be a beautiful moment one of the greatest moments ever the head's about to pop out right then i come in front of you and go hey man do you want a new toothbrush then only then do I think that is a legitimate job that those people can have? (laughs) And guys, on that note, I think episode three of the Babble Bear podcast is over. Um, Please tell me your thoughts on all this stuff. Tell me what is your favorite TV show that you've watched during this quarantine. Also, what is your opinions on the Will and Jada um, situation? And tell me how much you hate video advertising. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. My name is Mikey Paisley. I hope to see you guys soon. Bye.